So Nick Hocannon comes and brings the word. Are you excited that Nick's going to be preaching tonight? I know you should be. He's one of our pastoral interns here at the City Life Church. And so we're, it's one of the things that we believe in about calling out the giftings in the next generation. So we make room for the people of the house to come and, and minister. And so we're excited that he's going to be sharing. So, hey, just a couple of quick updates. We met with North Riverside Baptist Church. CNU students, you're going to be excited to hear this. While you were gone, we found a church that's going to be willing to partner with us. We're going to move into their building on Saturday nights. It's North Riverside Baptist Church, just within walking distance of the campus. We did it just for you guys, just so you know, just for you. They, they wanted us to come to the Hampton Coliseum. We said, no, that's too far. We're going to go right next. So we're excited. We picked an architect uh, this week with the transition team there. And, uh, and so we're excited that the work has begun for the designs for the changing of their sanctuary to accommodate who we are and what we do. And so we're going to continue to give updates through the fall. Uh, we're hoping to be in there around the first of the year uh, to get in there and to begin the work that God has called us to do uh, in that neighborhood and out from there and beyond. And so the other, you know, last week was a big week for us because we announced the launching of a City Life campus in Williamsburg, a church there invited us to come. The pastor was retiring. Uh, and so we We've been in a process with them for a few months now, so they voted as a congregation on Wednesday night to formally extend an invitation to us to take over the operations there. Come on, it's exciting. Hey, you should cheer. Nothing is going to change here on Saturday nights, just what we're doing here on Saturdays. Come on, a team of us is going to be going there on Sunday mornings to do it there. And uh, they meet at 222 Monticello Avenue. And so if you're from Williamsburg or know anybody who is, our services there are going to be from 10 until 1130. So we're going to be there tomorrow morning. And so continue to keep that in prayer. There'll be updates here on Saturdays and absolutely there'll be updates on the web as well. So we're going to turn this over to Nick. But before I do, come on, Emily Zidiak, it's good to see you here tonight too. Come on, Vanessa, who was going through her listens. I said, did you say hi to Emily? Because you're a senior this year? Yeah, and you came as a freshman, and we got to know Emily. So she's been, this is your fourth year with the City Life Church, and so it's good to have you back for the summer. So, yeah, we know God's going to give her a job right here in Newport News. We're believing it right now, so we're excited. So, all right, come on, Nick. Come on, give it up for Nick O'Cannon. Amen. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Oh, that's all? How are we doing tonight, everybody? Come on. God is good. I'm excited to, uh, to get to hang out with you guys a little bit tonight. My name is Nick. And I'm feeling pretty good. Everybody feeling good? Everybody's looking good. Fantastic. All right, well, hey, before we do anything, can we just give it up for the worship team one more time? Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. And let me tell you, yes, they look good. And yes, they practice with a sense of excellency, looking for just the right sound and the right feel. But if, if y'all would have had the opportunity to be in the pre-practice prayer circle, you just would have known there was an incredible expectation of God moving tonight. Um, there was just an incredible faith. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that's what makes our worship what it is at the City Life Church. Come on, it's not about emotionalism. It's not about working everybody into a frenzy. It's about the presence of God coming in and transforming lives. That's why we dance. That's why we shout. That's why we lift our hands. Because we're just uh, filled with faith enough to believe that God moves. Amen. So thanks so much for worshiping with us tonight. Every week at City Life, we like to do a couple giveaways. I got a couple uh, Starbucks cards. And the first, I just want to give them out tonight. I'm not going to quiz you. All right. But the first I want to give is to Amanda. 
She is a CNU student. It's her first time here. She had to deal with being right behind me. Like, you can see that this can be a problem. All right, I'm a little bit tall. So, Amanda, thank you for dealing with the weight of that burden. It's exciting to have you in the house tonight. Um, and also, I want to give a card out to a special guy. Is Matt Upton in here tonight? Oh, you're going to go and do that to me now. Matt, are you here? Matt, I hope you are listening to the podcast. All right, well, Matt Upton is a young guy. He just moved into the area. He works down at the shipyard. And he's gotten plugged in with Revolution Church recently, which is our student ministries here. And he's just been for the past month, he's been coming. He's been helping out. He's been just plugging in. So, Matt, if you're listening to the podcast, I got a Starbucks card for you, bro. Keep up the good work. Amen. God bless Matt. Can we give it up for Matt? Just to let him know we appreciate him. God can do a lot with people that have a heart to serve. No presumption, no assumption of title, just people who want to serve. Amen. All right. Well, we are in the midst of our summer series. It's called Rivers. And the premise of this series is that, you know, we believe the Bible where it says that, that the Holy Spirit is inside of us, bubbling up like rivers of living water. And we, the purpose of this series is to say not just that he wants to bless us as individuals, but that he wants us to pour out that love and that grace and that power into the community around us. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at the 12 pathways of our church which we have scoured the Bible looking for what are the essentials of living the Christian life. And we believe that these are it. And so what we've been doing all summer is breaking these down and looking at how can we take that river that has blessed us and bless other people with it. So tonight we're going to be talking about reaching. Amen. Reaching is important. For some of you old school churchers, it's called evangelism. <laughs> Hallelujah. We call it reaching. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 5. I know it's on the screen, but that slide's not going to be up the whole time. And I want you to have a reference point to look back at. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone or your tablet computer, go ahead, punch that in. Even if you got like a stone and chisel, that's cool. I don't mind. I, I, I can deal with the sound of chiseling. That's fine. Give me a whoop whoop if you got it. All right. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, let's read together. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Anybody else feel like chips all of a sudden? I want some chips. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your presence, God. Uh, you've been here for years. We just come in once a week to this building and acknowledge that you're here. Father, we come in once a week believing that you want to move powerfully in our lives. So God, speak through this word tonight. I thank you specifically for what you're doing in this church, God. I'm thankful that seeing you is coming back. 
Father, that they're here, that they're ready to see how God is going to move in this next semester. Father, I'm excited about what you're doing uh, with North Riverside Baptist Church, giving us a permanent home, Father. Father, I thank you for what you're doing with City Life Williamsburg. Got a second campus, another extension of your grace in a city, God, that needs the light of the world. And Father, I just pray tonight that I would diminish, that I would get out of the way, and that you would speak to somebody. Father, I'm cool if you speak to somebody about tithing. I might not be talking about it, but Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. Convict hearts, challenge minds. Father, bring people into a real relationship with you. And it's in Jesus' name that everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. Well, I have been married five years. Any, any nickels out there? Anybody? Nickel anniversary? Nobody? Some of y'all are like, yeah, like five times five. That's <laughs> how so many years I've been married. But I've been married five years to an awesome woman of God. Stephanie, she's in the back. Stephanie, can you just wave? That's it. Come on. She's so hardcore, she's on baby watch. For some reason, when I preach, our number pops up. I don't, if you don't believe me, check the podcast the last time I spoke. So she's back there. She's ready. But my wife is awesome. Anybody else got an awesome wife? Dude, Jason Moore. I've never seen a hand go up that fast. <laughs> he said, dude, like, like your shoulder's going to hurt tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate my wife. You know, we're blessed because she is able to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. And if you're not a full-time stay-at-home mom, I'm not knocking anything else. We're just blessed to have that. We believe that God, you know, wanted that for our family. It's a, it's a part of our identity. But, but because of that, you know, she, she has the kids all day. She's got to deal with diapers and, you know, temper tantrums and whining and, you know, all the, all the, the fun stuff that comes with kids. <laughs> And she's got to prepare meals and do laundry, and, and she works hard. I know y'all have some wives that work hard, amen, just to keep the family going. And sometimes it'll get to the point where, you know, it's the end of the day. My wife's just tired. Everybody's gone to bed. It's after dark even. In fact, could we just, could we create the scenario? Ladies, it's gonna, if we could just hit the lights real quick. It might get a little dark. It's okay. Can we, kill, can we kill the stage lights too? Is that all right? Cords like running three different places at once. All right, don't be afraid. Oh, this is so cool. I see the glow of smartphones and iPads. It's fantastic. But you know, it'll come to the end of the day. My wife works so hard. And she'll be tired. She'll have cleaned the last dish. Kids are asleep. The husband has disappeared to I don't know where. And she'll come upstairs praying that with every creak of the stairs, the children don't wake up. Because if the children wake up, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. She's got more grace. I, I, would, I would destroy them. She wouldn't. She would just, oh, go to bed. It's okay. And then she rounds, gets to the top of the stairs and walks into the bedroom, just ready to go to sleep. She finds this. <laughs> that I have decided to become a Jedi. <laughs> For some reason, this never goes over well. You can turn the lights on. This, this next part's pretty serious. Man, let me tell you, the phrase resistance is futile does not create the romantic mood that you had hoped. 
It makes noise when you hit it on stuff. Check it. It's pretty cool, right? It never goes over well. I don't understand it. So imagine you're my wife. You have to deal with this. I won't say how regularly, but don't, don't shame me, wife. Don't, don't shame me. But what's so shocking about that, besides the fact that I'm a jerk, is that you're in a dark space, and all of a sudden, this bright light comes out of nowhere. For all my wife thinks, some psycho who really thinks he's a Jedi has come into the house and is trying to, like, break things and steal the children. And, and so she doesn't know, do I, do I call for help or do I kill my husband? Because it could be my husband. It's shocking. Maybe you remember as a child, you want to sleep. It's dark outside. That's why it's dark. It's supposed to sleep. And your mom comes in and flips on the light. Oh, it's just the devil is a liar. There's something about when you live in darkness, that sudden light is shocking. Now, I want you to imagine this. Take the fun out of it for a second. Let's get serious. Imagine you are somebody that has never seen light. You've only ever dwelled in darkness. How would you respond? What would your initial reaction to a sudden flash of light be? I want you to hold that thought because we're going to come back to it here. But I want to throw out a proposition to you. It's that what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. Does your life have flow? All right? So hold on to those. We're going to talk about them. The Sermon on the Mount. Shortly before the passages of Scripture that we just read, we have the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' first sermon that, that we have recorded in Scripture, and it's probably his, his most famous. And in Matthew... What Matthew tells us is shortly before this, Jesus had called his disciples. He went up to him and said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. So already his disciples, from the moment they enter the scene, understand, okay, I'm not just following you, Jesus. I'm going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to go out and reach other people. That's like part of the initiation. Come with me. You'll fish for people. And so... Um, not only Matthew, but Luke shares this same story, and he adds on to it a little bit. He says that after Jesus uh, calls his disciples, he's up all night praying because he's going to commission them to become his apostles. And so the next day after praying all night, which is pretty hardcore, makes dancing during worship just seem like a little thing, right? Up all night praising and praying. Jesus commissions his apostles and so what scholars believe is that the Sermon on the Mount was his commissioning message. That he was saying, look, apostles, my 12, this is what the Christian life is all about. And so we jump in and Matthew says the familiar, or, well, Jesus says through Matthew, the, the, the familiar phrase is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers and probably the toughest to swallow. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And I can imagine during this scene that Jesus is talking to the 12 and Jesus just has this like, he doesn't need marketing. He just attracts people. I see all kinds of people coming in from all over, just coming to sit down and to hear what Jesus is teaching. So by this time, there's just a huge crowd. And as he's teaching this, yeah, he's giving us necessary components of the Christian life. But I imagine some of the responses in the crowd. Why? Why are we going to be poor in spirit? I'm, I'm feeling pretty rich in the spirit right now. I've just, I've just discovered Messiah, the promised son of God. How am I going to be poor in spirit? Aren't I supposed to be pretty rich in spirit? Those who mourn, why, why, why are we going to mourn? We weren't mourning before. Meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness. How am I going to be in a scenario where I need to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Aren't I with you? Messiah, pure in heart, merciful, peacemakers. Does that mean I'm going to be like in a war situation and have to bring peace? Because that's not really my thing. Persecuted because of righteousness. I just imagine the people saying, why? Why? Why is this part of the deal? I thought we were supposed to get a Benz and a big house and some bling on the wrist. And I believe that Matthew 5, 13 through 16 is Jesus' response to that nagging question. He says, why? Because you're salt. You're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's building on this idea that you're fishers of men. What is he saying? Well, my first point, if you're taking notes. Actually, hold that real quick. I got to get this part out. John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke out loud to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So I want you to catch this. That when the light of the world says you are the light of the world, you are the light of the world. Okay. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, God introduced himself as I am that I am. So when I am says you are, you are. So here's my first point, is that your nature has changed. As Christians, you are not the same. By definition, you are now salt and you are light. I'm not sure what you were before. This says you were walking in darkness. But now you're salt and you're light. And there's some powerful characteristics of these two elements that, that I think we need to understand. The first is salt in ancient times was used as a preservative Many of us know that. We didn't have all those fancy synthetic carcinogens that allow our food to last longer. Like, you know, we do today. They just use salt. Probably had some high blood pressure issues, but, you know, a little bit less cancer. So what is Jesus saying? You are the preservative of the world. You preserve the world from the decay of death. I would submit to you that just our presence, the fact that the church is here, prolongs the life of this world because we have a purpose, because we have a divine nature, because we're not who we were before. We're changed. 
Another thing about salt is it flavors. We are supposed to flavor this world with Jesus. We're supposed to taste like the Christian life to those around us. And I'm, I hate to break it to you, but your nature has changed. It's who you are. And if you're in here tonight and you would say, look, dude, I don't have this Christian relationship that you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus like that. That's cool. Please hang on. Please hear what I'm talking about because as it's changed our lives, I believe it will change your life. Amen. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say you're the salt of the earth. He says you're the light of the world. We are conspicuous. If you are a light that shines in darkness, everybody can see you. And so your life shines as an example of what Jesus would look like today. That's a heavy call. But more than that, it's not just enough that your light shines for people to see how the Christian life is supposed to look like. But it lights a path for people to truth. Are you a truth leader? Are people looking at your life and seeing the example of, of what Jesus would be today? Our nature has changed. And that brings me to my second point for you note takers. Is that as a Christian, you are accountable for what your light looks like. Now, I want to unpack this. This is a little bit heavier. You are accountable for what your light looks like and what your salt tastes like. Your nature has changed. Congratulations. Boom. Your salt. Your light. But Jesus says something really peculiar, doesn't he? He says, if salt loses its saltiness. Now, I don't know about you, but salt has always tasted salty to me. I've heard of undersalting. You didn't put enough salt on it. I've also heard of oversalting, which if you've ever been in a Mexican restaurant with Kevin Tully and you share a bowl of chips, you will understand oversalting. Put the salt down, man. And I think as Christians, we can undersalt a situation. We can hide. We can shrink back a little bit. And so people don't get the true essence of the flavor of our lives. And I definitely think we can oversalt a situation. We can come off pious and religious and high and mighty and totally turn somebody off. But I've never heard of salt not tasting like salt. If Kevin Tully takes a salt shaker and puts it in a cabinet and 30 years later wants to salt his chips, he's not going to say, ew, this tastes like sugar. It's salt. It's going to taste like that. So why would Jesus make this ridiculous statement? Well, he's not even done. He says, you're the light of the world. But if a city, a city on a hill can't be hidden, you're right. Who lights a light to hide it? Can't find my keys. Put the light under my armpit. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's like me having the lightsaber with no batteries. The effect is gone. My wife's like, why are you holding that stick? I don't know. So Jesus makes a couple of seemingly ridiculous statements. Well, if salt loses its saltiness, it's just worthless. It should be thrown out. A city on a hill can't be hidden. What he's trying to tell us here is that the work he's done in you is not temporary. It is a permanent work. And I'm not here to get in the debate about once saved, always saved. I'm here to let us understand the weight of the responsibility that we've been entrusted with. You are salt. You are light. And you're accountable for what that light looks like. 
Let me put it like this. If, if you are bad tasting salt, then that's what people think Jesus tastes like. If the light shines in your life and all that's there is, is filthiness and immorality and, and sin and death, that's what people are going to see. You represent Jesus to this world. Nick, I thought we were talking about reaching. Why do you keep hitting me over the head with stuff? Because we've got to understand who we are first before we can understand what other people need. We don't reach people just to have some tallies on our belt. We reach people because we understand that we're not who we were before. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. If your life shines with coarse language, lying, fudging numbers so that the accounts look straight, if your life tastes like drinking to excess, if your life tastes like surfing inappropriate websites, I'm telling you, somebody is noticing and somebody is confused because they don't understand how that represents Jesus. But we represent people. We represent to people what our life is. We're making, sometimes some of us, we're just making Jesus look bad. And it's not a knock because we're all in process. But maybe we just need to realize that our nature's changed. And maybe we just need to have some gumption to say, you know what, I'm going to be accountable for that change in my life. Amen. You might have some excuses tonight. You might say, you know what, though, it's hard to do this light and salt thing. I'm too young. Somebody else is coming around saying, I'm too old for this. Leave that for the young fellas. Somebody else is saying, well, I'm single. You know, I'd have a better testimony if I was married. Married people are saying, man, if I was single, I'd have more time. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Everybody out here is saying, well, Preacher man, you got the title, you do it. Preacher man saying, I don't, you don't have the title, go do it. People expect the pastor to talk about the Bible. What happens when you do it? Can we just agree to something tonight? Can we just get the excuses out of the room and just accept who we are, please? You are salt. You are light. Don't make an excuse for it. Be it. funny but here's my third point when you accept who you are in Christ people notice it's always the way right they see you reading your Bible at lunch uh oh there's that Christian they see you praying for somebody in the parking lot what's that about take that in church buddy but isn't it something that when you begin to accept who you are who the I am has proclaimed you are, people start to take notice. And unfortunately, it's not always under the best circumstances. Come on, how many of us have been mocked for our faith? Somebody just laugh at us. How many of us have had people who made eye contact with us and walked all the way around the room because they didn't want to get into a conversation with you? How many of us have had people just flat out say no? How many people have had us had somebody lash out 
because you chose to stand up for your faith. How many of you know when I flip that lightsaber on, my wife is angry? When people are walking in darkness, sometimes that sudden flash of light, they don't know what to do with it, and they get angry. They mock it. What is this stupid glowing orb in front of me? But there's something happens inside of us when we find the one. You know what I'm talking about. When there's that one person that you talk to and it resonates, it connects. The light isn't something foreign to them. It's not something fierce and aggressive. But, but they see that what it reveals is Jesus. And they say, you know what, I, I want that in my life. When you look at the, the, all the stuff that we're doing right now, it's not just stuff for stuff's sake. We're believing that God is going to use you to connect that one to the eternal light of life. City Life Williamsburg, us moving into a permanent facility within stone's throw of CNU. Come on, the men's getaway, the ladies' night out on Wednesday, the uprising. These are all opportunities. They're not programs for program's sake. We're believing that people are going to find eternal life through each of these moments. And let me tell you something, because some of you might be out here saying, well, who do you think you are? You think you're better than everybody. No, I just realized that my life is better off than where it was before. I can attest to it. People in this room, everybody who just amen can attest to it. My life kind of stunk before meeting Jesus, before understanding my eternal purpose. It's just something about the one. You can have 20 people say no. You can have 10 people smack you in the face. You can have five people call you crazy. But when you get that one who gets it, it's just life-giving. Amen? Understand this. You were the one. All of us in here who would say that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life and I want to live for you, God, we're a one at some point. You were wandering around in darkness. Everybody's darkness looks a little different. You know, it's interesting about darkness is, you know, you can be walking around and then boom, you, you bump into a corner and you hear, some, oh, there's some other people over here. This must be where I want to be. But y'all are just walking around in darkness. It's interesting where people gather, isn't it? You see them in bars or you see them in strip clubs or, or you see them gathered in deceit. You see them gathered in, in hate and gossip. You see them gathered in the corner of unforgiveness. And at one point, the light shined on us. And maybe we were hesitant. Maybe we were resistant. But we decided to shine. And suddenly that corner that we had bumped into it didn't have the same appeal. Because light has this quality of revealing. It reveals the mess in our lives. And sometimes that's hard to swallow. And it also reveals the depravity of the situation that we're in, the great need of the situation that we're in. There's too many people hurting, walking in darkness. There's too many people living insipid, bland, flavorless lives that need the salt of the earth. If you believe that you are better off than who you were before, this should pull at your heart a little bit. Because you remember when you were the one. I still remember the guy who prayed with me. His name was Robbie Ehase. He was a young GI in the U.S. Army. How many of y'all who understand 
you, you know, military life, know what barracks life is like. For this guy, what he was doing, incredible. Because barracks life is anything goes. And for him to say, you know what, I'm going to go volunteer with this student ministry and I'm going to hang out with teenagers, it was a bold, brave, light shining, come on, salt tasting step. And I can't imagine where I would be if he hadn't intersected my life. And we just used to do dumb stuff. He used to pick me up in his car. We'd go drive around and, and follow, follow people. We would get behind a car and say, let's follow that one. We're going to follow that one. You know, and like we get to a stop sign and we're like, okay, they could be looking back at us. So we'd be like, oh, oh we, are we turning over there? Oh, no, we're going to turn over there. And whatever way they went, we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that way, that way. That's the way we're trying to go. You know, trying to act like we weren't following them. We'd have people like speed off trying to get away from us. It's dumb stuff. But I didn't have somebody that just threw the book at me. I had somebody who wanted to play with me as well as pray with me. I was the one in that moment. Can you imagine where our church would be if Pastor Justin wasn't somebody's one? Where would our students be? What if Pastor Fred wasn't somebody's one? Where would our church be? There would be no City Life Williamsburg. Another church would have shut its doors. God does incredible things. Imagine where our church wouldn't be going if all of you weren't somebody's one. God has a great love for his people. We were somebody's one. We are salt. We are light. Embrace it. Love it. My fourth point is when you appreciate the change in yourself, you will develop a lasting love for people. When you appreciate the change in yourself, you will develop a lasting love for people because you'll be able to understand where you were, what God did, and what he wants to do with other people. It's not about numbers. It's not about offerings. It's about people understanding that there is a better life. It's about people understanding eternal life begins now. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9 says, for, once, for you were once darkness, but, you, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We try to make it difficult and make it a bunch of do's. Just live it. Too many people try to do the Holy Spirit's work. Well, I got to do this. I got to do this. Just pray. Just pray a little bit. See how God leads you. Oh, I'm tense right now. I need to go box. Man, just go pray for a little while. I need to go drink. No, just go pray. See what God will do in your life. How many of us can, reckon, can, uh, can uh, liken ourselves to this? Jeremiah 9, 5, they weary themselves with sinning. Have you been in that place in your life? Have you walked in that kind of darkness to where you were just wearied by the sin in your life? where you were just exhausted from going over the same patterns, the same mistakes, that bottle one more time, that lie to cover up that other lie, to cover up that other lie. How about this? Have you ever been wearied from unforgiveness? We've been rescued from that. That's the darkness. Nobody should have to live in that because 
God has offered his one and only son. Let me ask you this. Would you be able to put somebody else's need for eternal life above your own need for comfort? Is that something you are able to do? Let me ask you this. Let's take it a step further. Would you be willing to put somebody's need for eternal life above your own need for comfort? How about this? Because this is where I believe God wants us to get to. Would you be joyful to put somebody else's need for eternal life above your own need? Come on. Would you be excited? Would you be passionate? Could it be something that you get excited about? Because you know that you're offering people the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Because you're offering somebody eternal life who was just bumping around in darkness, wearied from sin. Thank you, God, that I was somebody's one. Thank you, God. Colossians 4, 6. It says, let yourselves be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Not, not just someone, not just a few people, but everyone. That's why we can't make it a bunch of do's. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Because then we're, we're wearied just by the to-do lists. I know some of us with like that need to-do lists are like ready to hit me. Let your life be full of grace. Pray, read until you're full of grace. And then go out and season with salt. Flavor the world with your life. Go out and just be willing to be a fisher of men. You know, what is, what is religion if it's just inclusive? That's not hope. That's not life. That's not, that's not making the world a better place. <laughs> We're called to shine. We're called to flavor. Amen. Uh, another quote here. I love this. That way you don't have to get mad at me. You can get mad at Oswald Chambers. But he says, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not do your duty, but do what is not your duty. It is not your duty to go the second mile, to turn the other cheek. But Jesus says, if we are his disciples, we shall always do these things. Why? Because we understand that we've been transformed. And there's a joy that wells up in us when we think of the opportunity of sharing it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Jesus says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What is Jesus saying? There are hurting people all around you. They may not show it. They may be really good at hiding it. But they're just desperately looking because they're wearied from sin. And a lot of them think they know what church is supposed to look like. They hear the word church. And they say, oh, I know what that is. I don't want to be a part of that. That's where we get to shine. No, 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 man. I'm sorry you got that, that bad idea. But this is what church really is about. This is who Jesus is. Let me, let me tell you about him first so that church has some context for you. Let me tell you about my life, man. I used to walk in darkness. I used to be stuck in some stupid behaviors. But God brought me out. You know, we don't, don't let these sayings become cliche. God brought me out. God healed me. God delivered me. Be specific with people. Tell them what it means. Because they need to understand this light. Because for some of them, they've never seen it shine before. And for others, they've seen it at a distance and decided they didn't like it. And for others, they saw some people that tasted bad. And unfortunately, those people represented Jesus. And unfortunately, we have some bad days where we don't represent Jesus well. But there's always grace. 
shine, your salt, your light. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And I want to return to my proposition here that what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. He has made you salt. He has made you light. He has changed your very nature. He wants to use you to do that in other people's lives. He wants to use you because you were once the one who was desperate and groping for hope. And I'm going to tell you, I believe tonight, if you're just like, well, Nick, I always grew up in the church. I don't have this great testimony. I was never a drug dealer. I never shot people. I don't have that testimony either. But if you grew up in the church and you basically did the right thing all the time, let me ask you this. Have you had a moment where you realized that you needed a savior? What is the point of having a savior if, no, I'm good. I've been in the boat the whole time. Somewhere in your life, there has been great need. Somewhere in your life, you can point to a time, a moment, and a, a, a season of your life where you realized this is just ugly. Nine times out of ten, the thing that you're most ashamed of, that's your reason for needing a savior. Come on, we can get a little bit heavy tonight. We can dive in a little bit into our psyche. We can bring back some memories that maybe are a little bit painful to the touch. Maybe it's that somebody did something wrong to you as a child or as a teenager, or even as an adult. But you're holding on to that unforgiveness and it's sucking the life out of you. Be weary in sin no more. Find freedom, find life, find light, find your true nature, find your true calling. What God has done in you, church, he wants to do through you. What a privilege. We think about it like it's work. Talk to people about Jesus, it's hard. Some of them call me dumb. But if we appreciate what God has done in us, the world will never be the same. I want to invite everybody to stand. There's four types of people that I want to talk to tonight. I think you'll find that you fit into all of these categories. The first is this when it comes to reaching. You are the person that loves people and loves to reach people. This whole front row is here because Kevin Garcia loves people and loves to reach people. You are the person that the rest of us look at and say, what's wrong with <laughs> If you're that person, if you could check that off and say, that's me, uh, let me encourage you. Not everybody has that innate gifting. Not everybody has been transformed into that like you have. Please share it. Please help the rest of us out. Please impart your knowledge and understanding to us because we want to be able to do it too. <laughs> the second group of people are those, it's the person that loves people but doesn't reach people. Maybe you're nervous. Maybe you'd rather just sit back and pray. Man, praying is good, but let me challenge you. Tonight, I believe God's going to impart something into your life where you're going to connect with other believers and y'all are going to figure out some ways to reach well. Let me tell you, I love John Ortberg talks about this concept of Matthew parties. And I don't want to go too deep into it. But when you look at Matthew in the Bible, he invited Jesus to a party with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors. What if you pick some of your Christian friends and try to connect them with some of your other friends, have them over to your house, grill out, have some burgers and get to know each other? What could that do? 
What if you paired up with some other people that love people but have a hard time reaching people and made that your goal? My wife does something similar. She calls it play date evangelism, P-E. If my wife invites you to a play date, get ready. There will be people there that she wants you to meet and talk to. There's another type of person that I'm talking to. It's that you, you're good at reaching people, but you don't love people. Maybe you're good at sales, I don't know. Maybe you just have a knack with people, but you don't really love them. You're just like, boom, I'm trying to you know, do this deal and get out of here. I believe tonight that God wants to give you a revelation of love for people, that he wants to put you with some other people that do love well, so that you can be complete in your reaching package, so to speak. I believe God's just going to show you, he's going to give you a revelation of his love for you, and through that, you're going to better be able to love people. Do you believe it tonight? Come on, because if you don't believe it, I'm just, I'm just spitting stuff out, and it ain't going to mean nothing. There's another person I'm talking to, and I don't mean to make light. It's the person that doesn't love people and doesn't reach people. Maybe you've had some great hurt in your life. Maybe you're still wrestling with some things from your past, some addictions that have held you down, some words that people have said, some things you did that you never thought you could be forgiven of. Tonight is your night. And I would argue that if you're that person, that you need a revelation of God's love and he's offering it to you tonight. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He offers us life tonight. He offers us the light of the world. And if you would stand here tonight and say, Nick, this is all well and good. I'm really interested. I, I really feel like God is tugging at my heart. I wanna, I wanna know what it is to follow this life. I want to know what it is to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to do something incredibly brave. I want you to shine for a minute. I want you to flavor this room for a minute. I want to invite you to raise your hand. It's okay if people see it. It's okay. They're not even staring at you. In fact, if you're a Christian in this room, please start praying. Please believe that God is tugging at some hearts. If you would say, tonight I want to make Jesus Lord of my life, I want to invite you to raise your hand. Just be bold. Be brave. I want to open this up too. If you find that you are one of those four types of people that I was talking about, that I'm talking to, and you just want some prayer, I just want you to know when the altar is open. We have some people with some prayer tags that just want to pray with you, that just want to believe God with you. We have some people that just love people. And as we jump into this song, I'm just going to invite you to just step out of your seats and come forward. In fact, don't even wait. You can just come right now. The altar is open. People want to believe God with you. They want to pray for you. If you need more love, if you need more boldness to reach people, if you find that you're hurting, if you find that today you want to make that step to become a follower of Jesus, I just want to invite you to come. Even as I pray, Father, I ask you now not to move in our hearts. Father, move through our lives. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, how are they going to taste it? How are they going to see it? Through my life. 
through our lives tonight may taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, Father, I just pray right now, God, an impartation of love for those who need it, an imparting of boldness for those who need it. Father, transform our hearts. Let it be a great joy to talk to others about you. Let it be a great joy to pass out reach cards, to offer to pray with people in the workplace, to make a meal for somebody that's sick in our neighborhood. Give us creative ideas on how to love people well. We're not here to build a program and a population. We're here to build people. And so, Father, we just ask that you would do it, God. Use our lives, Jesus. You stood before creation.
Father, we say that you would find us this week. Come on, shining a little brighter than we did yesterday. There's going to be a flavor about our lives that's a lot more like the flavor and the fragrance of Christ than it was the day before. And oh, come on, let that word grip our hearts, that somebody's need for eternal life is going to be more important to us than our comfort. It's going to be more important to us than our schedule. It's going to be more important to us than nurturing our own insecurity, that it's going to be more important to us than our self-pity, that it's going to be more important to us than even the reality of the desperate circumstances that we might be facing, that come on, that somebody else's need for eternal life is going to press us into a place of illumination, into a place of preservation, so that their lives might be different forever. In Jesus' name. Come on, as you're leaving tonight, these tables up here, we have these cards that we want you to come, every person to take one. It's building up to our Live Out Loud weekend, that first weekend in October. There's information about what's happening, but we're giving you these tonight because of Nick's message, because we're believing that God's going to put some people onto your heart, and you can write their names right here, and that that every day you're going to spend some time praying for these people. It might be people that have yet to have a life-encountering moment where, as we said tonight, not where they just know about who Jesus is, but they make a vow of devotion. It becomes life-defining, passion-filled all the days of their lives. You're going to have some people like that on your list, but you're also going to have people that they're walking with Christ, but they're walking alone. They're disconnected from the family of God, and they need to be a part of a church family where it's here or someone else. Come on, you're going to write some of those names on those cards. Before you go, you come. Get one of these cards. Every one of you begin to write. Have your kids. Our kids are going to get these. Some new kids that they're meeting in our neighborhood begin to write down some names. We're believing God that that weekend, that first weekend in October, come on, we're going to live out loud between now and then, and people's lives are going to be changed forever. Amen. Come on, can you tell Nick one more time you appreciate his message today? We'll see you next week, and if you wake up tomorrow morning and you're not sure what you should do, we'll see you in Williamsburg. <laughs>